Silicon Valley. We have branches of the ISKCON. It's not the ISKCON, of ISKCON all over the world. And we've been here in the Silicon Valley since 1998, although we started in a small house and then moved gradually up through various other venues like a storefront and then a tiny commercial building. And then we purchased this, what was before us, a Gnostic church. In this uh, room, they had uh, services for their Gnostic church. And the, the International Cyber Christian Consciousness was founded by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who you see uh, sitting on this ornate seat. The seat that he's sitting on is called a Vyas Asana. Asana means a seat, and Vyas is an incarnation of Krishna, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And he has many uh, manifestations, some people call incarnations, who teach various important aspects of how to follow spiritual process. And one of the most famous ones is called Vyasadev. Vyas presents the Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. He present, prevents the, presents the information in what we call a written form now. Uh, it was only recently written down because the, the knowledge that we follow, the knowledge base, was originally passed down through oral reception, which means that there would be a teacher who was well-versed and then would speak the information again and again, and the students would memorize it. And as it turns out, that method was more accurate in preserving the original syllables and sentences in their entirety because at a certain point when people didn't have time to memorize many different chapters of books starting from an early point in life. Do you have time for that? Anyone? No? Well, <laughs> even thousands of years ago, it's the people's ability to do that started to diminish, so they were written down, oftentimes by scribes who, didn't, who were illiterate. So, not that they were bad at writing, it's just hard to understand what you're writing. Nonetheless, the, the Vedic teachings have been, for the most part, preserved, especially the main teachings that we follow. The Bhagavad Gita is, uh, has been looked after very carefully over many years. It's not been changed. The original message from when it was spoken 5,000 years ago. Well, Vyasadeva is responsible for bringing it to light in human society, what to speak of in Silicon Valley. And therefore, the seat of somebody who's teaching that knowledge is called the Vyasasana, or the Vyasana. Vyasasana. So, um, when the founder of this organization came to America, he was doing so on the, the suggestion of his teacher. Each teacher comes from uh, another teacher in a line of teachers that go back to the beginning of the creation. This is the idea of a disciplic succession. And our founder uh, had received a suggestion from his teacher that he should make sure that the original writings and teachings about devotional service be made available to people here in Silicon Valley. Actually, he said to people all over the world, especially English speakers, because it is um, one of the most prevalent languages in the world and quite popular. And he did that. He 
at a, a later time in his life, came to the United States, landed in 1965 on the East Coast in Boston Harbor, and stayed for a few days, a few weeks, in the home of a couple who were surprised to see him. They had agreed to sponsor him, but they never thought he'd come. Sponsor means he'd have a place to stay for a little while. So he stayed there, and then he, he went to New York City, reasoning that this would be a place where, if he could get a, uh, something started, then it could spread all over the world, because New York is a notable city in the world. Now, how do you think, or how would you go about it if you were all alone and you didn't have any money, and you wanted to start an international organization that would spread all over the world? What would you do? Well, Srila Prabhupada stuck to the simplest of processes, but nonetheless uh, profound, and that is the power of transcendental sound vibration. So the park in New York City called Thompson Square Park is a place where Prabhupada went by himself and he would sit and chant. And he would repeat the mantra, singing it into public. There are photographs of that time. People were curious. And of course, in the beginning, there, there were people who thought it was quite odd. And Prabhupada, in those days, must have been a spec, um, a, a quite, a sensation because the way he dressed, I was going to say spectacle, because of the way he dressed and also uh, the chanting was not well known. So a policeman came along, although some people were standing watching out of curiosity and asked him to move back further. So he went under a tree, that tree is still there, and he sat under the tree in the park and he chanted. And more people came out of curiosity, listening. And then some noted that the sound vibration was enticing. It had a special quality to it. And they felt something from the chanting of this Swami. And then there are some young people who had been and were seekers. They were looking for a spiritual path. Some of them had been looking into India. Some of them had even gone to India, and when they saw Swami in their own hometown park, they got excited about it, and some of them began to come on a regular basis, and then some began to chant out loud, and then some started to dance. And there are videos of this also, this chanting and dancing. Those who did chant and dance experienced something special. They felt spiritually rejuvenated. And Prabhupada would stop at intervals and speak about the process. And also, he began to hold classes in the Bhagavad Gita. So the combination of the chanting and the open, open classes brought many people who wanted to listen and find out more about the process. And gradually, some of them became dedicated students who did some of the work to help Prabhupada get the organization started. For instance, there was a young couple who had helped Prabhupada in New York, but then thought that was a passing phase in their life. But just as they were leaving to come out to the West Coast to visit some friends and then go on to India to learn about Indian music, Prabhupada had said, when you're out there, please try to start another center like we have in New York. And it kind of caught the person by surprise, but it stuck in his mind, and he thought, well, how am I going to do that? But when he came to California, with a little bit of effort, he found that things started to come together. Some of his friends who joined him, he and his uh, wife, then uh, got interested in the process of Krishna consciousness 
and they started something in San Francisco. So then there, was, there were two branches, San Francisco and New York. And then from there, a few others went out to places like uh, New Mexico and Montreal, and then some to England. And through the same system that Prabhupada had used to start the Krishna consciousness movement in New York, these others emulated what he had done and got su success. And in that way, over a few years, starting 1965 to 1977, times at which Prabhupada was traveling around the world starting this organization, he was able to establish about 108 temples, about, that sounds funny, about 108, 108 centers around the world, which has now expanded into hundreds if not thousands of centers around the world. And he was working from a blueprint for establishing something very specific. So he has seven purposes for his organization that he penned. And we'll just uh, review them because it gives a, a good context for what we're doing here. The first is to systematically propagate spiritual knowledge to society at large and to educate all people in the techniques of spiritual life in order to check the imbalance of values in life and to achieve real unity and peace in the world. Do you like it? Two, to propagate a Krishna, to propagate a consciousness of Krishna as he is revealed in Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. So I mentioned the Bhagavad Gita earlier. It's a, a, a fairly well-known spiritual treatise. It has 700 verses, and this, the speaker, Krishna, is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And his student is his devotee and friend, Arjuna, who gets in a jam on the battlefield of Kurukshetra just before a war starts. And Arjuna asks Krishna, who is his chariot driver for the time, how to get out of this jam. What is the jam? He has to go into battle and he has to kill many of his own family members, maybe even his teacher, in order to win the war. So have you ever been in a lose-lose situation like that? One person. It's hard to say. Everyone can feel more reticent wearing a mask, huh? So how to get out of lose-lose situations is mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita. And in summary form, in just a few minutes, Krishna describes the entire process and summary of spiritual life and practice and consciousness. And the Srimad Bhagavatam is a book that was the product of a conversation that took place 5,000 years ago when sages got together at a place called Naimasharanya. It's a forest in India. And they had a seminar there to discuss how to do the highest good for everybody in the world, for all living entities. And the speaker, Sutta Goswami, then gave evidence from various teachers around the world, and there's conversations between many of the most elevated uh, spiritual personalities in the world, included in the Srimad Bhagavatam. That has 18,000 verses. It unpacks a lot of what is said in the Bhagavad Gita. So we see that the second purpose of the organization that we have here in Silicon Valley is to propagate this and to propagate a consciousness of Krishna as he's revealed in the Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. So those who are interested more in the uh, purpose and functions of this organization can read those books. You can keep them in your home and uh, look through them, read them, and they'll give you a deeper idea of the entire scope. Keep going? Okay. Number three, to bring the members of the society, that's us, together with each other and nearer to Krishna 
and thus to develop the idea within the members and humanity at large that each soul is part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Number four, to teach and encourage the Sankirtan movement, congregational chanting of the holy name of God, and to reveal the teachings of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, but he came 500 years ago to again revitalize the original teachings that he had given during the time when he spoke the Bhagavad Gita. Five, to erect for the members of and the society at large a holy place of transcendental pastimes dedicated to the personality of Godhead. I like in these purposes how the author, Prabhupada, has mentioned practically in all of them and the society at large. It's meant for the whole world. Not just a select few, but everybody. Number six, to bring the members closer for the purpose of teaching simple, a simple and more natural way of life. And number seven, with a view towards achieving the aforementioned purposes to publish and distribute periodicals, magazines, books, and other writings. That's the seven purposes of this organization. That's why we took the trouble to buy this building and we do many festivals, programs here and around Silicon Valley and other places as well in order to achieve these purposes that were given to us by the founder. Let's just see if you have any thoughts about them. Did any of it resonate? Yes, we have a taker or a giver. Because in America, you say, I took an exam. But if you're from India, you say, I gave an exam. Right? Doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Go right ahead. Um, could we scroll to the first one? Let's see the first purpose, please. So I really like the phrase, in order to check the imbalance of values in life. And just looking at the material world, the majority of, this is, like the majority of society doesn't have the proper values. So I really like that phrase in general about how like Krishna consciousness promotes so many better values such as like gratitude over greed, love over hate, etc. And I thought it was a very sweet purpose. Thank you very much. I, I'm particularly fond of that one myself and um, had some cards made with that first purpose of ISKCON and oftentimes when people would ask me when I'm moving around, what do you do? What's this all about? I just hand them the card and say, I work for this organization and this is the goal. And people look at it and say, wow, that's really good. I love that. Anyone else? Yes. Vrinda Sevika. Hare Krishna. I like the point uh, number three. Uh, number, number three, please to bring the members of the society together with, the, with each other and, uh, and nearer to Krishna. Uh, so it's like a big house and it unites uh, all nations uh, and all uh, countries all over the world. Wherever I, um, I go, I can see the same uh, culture, the same uh, values. And uh, it's uh, like unity unites everybody through the heart. So it's really like a huge house, like the whole world. It's united together. Yeah. Tell us where you're from. From Russia. <laughs> from Russia, yeah. right. So uh, it works. Well, let me ask you, does it, does it resonate in Russia just as it does here in America or in India? Yes, it feels like um, uh, the, all the values, they are common for all people around the, around the world. So everybody is just like, it's so naturally comes to your heart. 
and resonates so people take it very easily and naturally it's just nice. like how you um, it's the art of all uh, the the preachers how they give it like through their uh, through the culture through the local culture but it's it works for the whole and it's amazing how Srila Prabhupada he envisioned this how to propagate and how to build the whole house and make it uh, as a statement as a purpose so it's 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 universally appreciated and it's non-sectarian and there's a way in which those who are presenting it uh, present these basic principles but they give according to the context of the particular culture something that for people to uh, relate to so they can appreciate it yes Radha Kripa uh, Guru Maharaj I like the uh, number two um, I think uh, as Krishna he is revealed in Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam because you know many times uh, there are many institutes I, I mean I'm not going to comment anything on what they do but it's 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 not a mental speculation you know uh, you construct your own theory so it's exactly as he's revealed in Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhaktam. I really like that point because it's based on authentic uh, sources which we follow. It is not somebody woke up suddenly morning and he felt he's a realized person. So. Right. And uh, there's, these are standard books of knowledge that are accepted widely. It's not something newly created. Thank you. That's an important point. Yes. Uh, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like the point where uh, it is said that bring people nearer to Krishna and uh, how specific and explicit Prabhupada is. Uh, you were talking about it the other day that why are you not calling it society of God consciousness and why only Krishna consciousness? Prabhupada was very specific there because he God was a generic term but he wanted people to directly get Krishna Especially when we, you know, invite newcomers, we find it very challenging. And I was thinking how Prabhupada is so empowered and so much spiritual potency he has that, you know, nowadays when we try to introduce Krishna, like instead of holding the nose like this, we want to hold it the other way, go round about and explain. But I really like that just coming to the point faster is, is so important. Um, and showing them the actual person Krishna is so important. Nice. So specificity can be really important. It is interesting to note, and as it relates to your point and also to Vrindasevika's point, that Prabhupada innovated to present in a culturally, in a cultural context that people could appreciate. When he was in India before he started this uh, society of, for Krishna consciousness, he wrote many topical articles he would find goings-on in the world that were trending, and he would write about them in relationship to Krishna consciousness. Uh, warring factions between India and China, and he talked about how chronic disease of modern man, no time. And then when he started writing in his books, you'll notice that oftentimes in his commentaries, he creates terms that are more relatable as well. For instance, in one of his purports when he's talking about taking time to investigate your own consciousness and the workings of your body and to see or not your body. It's a long purport in which he systematically talks about a kind of, of an introspective process through which you look and see yourself, you notice your different limbs, the different elements of your body, and then he talks about superconsciousness. So this is a, a kind of phrase that people might be able to relate to on a non-sectarian level, and there are other ways in which he presents that. But it's, it's such a nice point that you make, Pavani, about the ways that Prabhupada is very specific and at the same time expert at presenting in a culturally appealing way. And in another place, he talks about how this is called realization. If someone has realized the subject matter of the Bhagavad Gita in his or her own life, then such a person can then present it to others in a way that they're able to 
digest it. And it does require somebody who's empowered to do such a thing. But anybody can be empowered uh, if they practice what they preach, ultimately. Yes. Bhakti Krishna and then Jagarini. Thank you, Srila Gurudev. Um, can you a little bit more expand on this point? I really like that um, when you are realize, when you have realizations, or when you are realized, when you have realized the Bhagavad Gita, then you can explain it uh, in a nice way to others that they can digest. I have seen it, but how does that work? Or maybe if you can explain, ex elaborate it. Yeah. Well. When you've actually been to Hawaii and you waited in the ocean a little bit, you saw the sunset, when you come back and somebody asks you about Hawaii, then you still have the smell of the sea on your clothes. Your hair's a little like wind swept and you've, you still feel those breezes from Waikiki and the scent of plumerias are fresh in your nostrils. Such a person is more adept at explaining what Hawaii is like than somebody who read it in a book or in a brochure because there are more dimensions there. So if somebody has imbibed, actually taken in the philosophy and practiced it in his or her own life, for instance, uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna talks about how to overcome the troubles and tribulations of this world. And he describes a person who's fixed in consciousness as being someone who's able to withdraw the mind from the various offerings the mind gives, saying, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? How about this? There's lemon, there's lime. Why don't you do lemon-lime instead? And there's all different ways in which the mind is, in its unruly way, presenting to us various possibilities to enjoy the world. But one who has actually practiced what tenets of the Bhagavad Gita are and has achieved a higher taste, experiencing, as Krishna says, pleasure from within. For instance, he says, The person who's fixed in consciousness is one who doesn't just listen to his or her mind all the time, say, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, but is, is trained, has trained him or herself through the practice of, of Krishna consciousness to see that the mind isn't always our friend, and does, doesn't always good, good, give good ideas, and instead takes the instruction of the Bhagavad Gita as one's the guide, the guide for one's intelligence, and is able to, to withdraw from bad ideas and bad habits and so forth. And then, atmanivatmanatushta means that there's um, a sense a person develops of enjoying uh, the experience of consciousness and not just the external experience of the senses. To such a person, uh, the from such a person, the explanation is multi-dimensional and it has a certain quality because the person's realized it and is living in it can explain it like that oh you're welcome Jagarini hi Krishna Prabhu thank you for um, talking about this I, I, I love these uh, points the, and um, I like to check in on them from time to time I feel like Srila Prabhupada, when he wrote them, he was, it was very early on, and um, as well as giving us um, a, a, a direction, a, a laundry list of things to, to accomplish for our movement, it, it also gave us a vision of what was possible, that um, we could cause peace in the world. Now, that's, that's huge and uh, bring, bringing people together in Kali Yuga, huge. Um, so besides just um, each point and, and the potency of each individual point, it gave us this big picture of the possibility that this movement 
um, the effect it can have when we work together. Nice. Yeah, could catch on. So anyone who asks about Christian consciousness movement to you, like, why'd you go there? What are their purpose? What do they do there? You can get a copy of this online. It's called The Seven Purposes of ISKCON. You can review it yourself. It helps if you, if you want to follow the processes that are in the International Side for Christian Consciousness. You can put a copy up on your refrigerator. Isn't that what you're supposed to do for important documents? And then you can also get... Uh, the books that are uh, that that the author Shula Prabhupada mentions here, uh, he mentions them a, a couple of times about the Bhagavad Gita, the Srimad Bhagavatam, and then literatures and how effective they are at accomplishing the 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 purposes. So anyone who wants to be connected to this organization uh, can understand these purposes and then start to integrate them into his or her life in a practical way. And also, you can be a part of teaching it to other people, a simpler, more natural way of life, or the tenets of the practice of bhakti yoga, which are very well-defined in the books. And in all the organizations we have, we do the same practices. It's like a franchise. So when you go to different places, there's slight variations, but the the main practices are the same, and you can take these up at home. If you happen to live far away from a center like this, you can also set up a, a temple-like atmosphere in your house, and or van, if you live in a van. Uh, you can do that too, it doesn't matter. And you can practice it and get great benefit from it. So. We highly recommend the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. It has a very strong core of universal teachings that are non-sectarian, all-inclusive. And of course, um, we have a, a lot of people have been practicing it for a long time that you can ask and talk to and say, well, how's it gone for you? And uh, you know, what, what do you do when this happens or that happens? And that's why it's a society. It gives us an opportunity to associate together, and that's really important. So let's imagine that we're starting this. Oh, please, Kaplatik, would you like to make a comment? That's what I was thinking about, number five, just like you're speaking about at, um, how important it was that Prabhupada actually established places, centers. I think we're all here together now because of that vision. And um, it reminded me of one uh, story about Prabhupada that he was speaking, um, there was a press conference being held in a very opulent place. Actually, I think it was on a yacht. And they had boated the, the reporters out to this yacht and one had challenged Prabhupada like, um, oh, you're not anti-materialistic, but look at this yacht you're on. And Prabhupada said, well, I can live under a tree, but if I was under a tree, would you have come to hear me speak? And they all, you know. So so important that we have these places. Thank you. So we do have a vision to expand here in Silicon Valley. We will be appropriately finding, um, either in a modular way or a more centralized way, places where we can expand these various purposes around Silicon Valley. And the, the intention is always for growth, but we look at it in a, a way that first manage really well what you have, and the best growth is the relationships between all the people that are in the local organization and the, the worldwide organization. That's the, really the foundation of any society. But we are focused on... Uh, finding ways to expand the organization uh, to fulfill these purposes. So if there's any ways that you th think of that you'd like to participate, you, you can let us know. Us means me or um, anyone else who looks like they um, might know something, what's going on around here. I mean, I don't know anything, but I'm just saying looks like.
So now, as I mentioned, uh, the expansion of these purposes started in a simple way. It's a process called Samkirtan. So the word kirtan means to speak about somebody or to sing about somebody, to broadcast in writing about somebody. Uh, kirti means fame, to make somebody famous. So if there's somebody you think, like, people should know more about that person. They're really good. Let's say something about them. And so Krishna is uh, the source of everything and everyone. And by giving attention to Krishna, the philosophy of Krishna consciousness says, then you naturally um, are being helpful to everyone in the world because Krishna is like the root of the universal tree. And if you water the universal root, then every living entity gets benefit. If you try to individually help people, uh, they oftentimes don't appreciate it, and uh, nor does it actually help them. But there is a way in which by giving service and attention to Krishna, who's the root, then people, as an example, are able to imbibe the basic principles and teachings of Krishna consciousness. And through that, they can improve themselves. It's the ultimate self-help process. So one of the primary ways, or I could say legitimately, the primary way of giving attention to Krishna is through this kirtan, or singing about him. And so what do we sing? His names. And then it's actually expanded. The word is called samkirtan. Sam means together. And when we do it together, then the power of the process is augmented. So it's a call and respond. All sing the mantra and just listen to, to it. We'll also put it up on the screen so you can see it and then repeat it after I say it and you sing it together. And that's all you have to do. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Sri Mate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namini. Right now we're just saying a few invocation prayers before we get to the main mantra. Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Shivasadi Gora Bhakti Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare
Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare to the Bhagavad Gita, when you do the right kind of spiritual practice, then nature comes into harmony. Uh, there's parjanyad, evasambhava. There's a way in which the rains come on schedule. That'd be nice, huh? We just drove down from Sacramento, and uh, the state looks a little dry, I must say. And people are feeling a little dried up because of the extra demands coming to them in their lives from various directions, trying to get a little juice. But there's none really to be had. It's called punak punas charvita charvananam. Something's already been chewed many times. It looks like it should have flavor, but you pick it up again and try, and still, same, same thing, nothing. So there is juice in the practice of Krishna consciousness, and it's what people are looking for. So it's a non-sectarian universal process, and we can teach it to others. Try teaching it at your home, or you can do it on Zoom, or you can take part in distributing books to people so they can read about it. And if you haven't read them, then when you start distributing them, and people say, what's it about? Then you'll say, I don't know, I'm going to go home and read it, <laughs> which is a good idea. Now, in one of the books, you'll find a, a story about the Avaduta Brahmana. An Avaduta means somebody who couldn't care less for the, for the world anymore. Although he or she lives in it, there's no sense in which this is my home. There's no optimism that I'm going to make it work here. person already has an inner life and is living that life, and therefore to the external world on their way to work on the 101 freeway, that person might look like somebody who's dropped out, and they really have. And so, such was the case thousands of years ago when Maharaj Yadu 
famous king was riding with his retinue through the forest, came across an avaduta. And it was a curious scene because there was nobody else around. It was a wilderness area. And the king approached the sage, got from his horse, and offered some respects and asked the sage uh, how he had gotten there and what his course in life had been. And the sage began to impart spiritual knowledge to the king. And the king, being curious about the lineage of the sage, had asked, uh, you know, where do you come from and uh, who are your teachers? And the sage said, well, all my teachers are here. And the king looked and saw no human being and said, then what do you mean by that? So the sage then explained that there are gurus around him, 24 in number, that have taught him the process of spiritual practice. And in one of the instances where the sage found a guru was in the karari hawk, a particular kind of bird that hunts small animals in the brush and then captures them in his talons and flies up in the air, takes the prey somewhere and then rips it to pieces, have a little snack. So one such day, the karari hawk had found a mouse and was flying higher and higher in the sky, thinking that I've got it made. I found a nice juicy mouse. And just then, two larger karari hawks assailed the smaller one and grabbed it. That is, grabbed the hawk with their talons and then said, give up the mouse or die. And the smaller karari hawk then let go of the mouse and he flew free. And the sage, seeing this, realized that there are many things in life that aren't worth hanging on to and dying for. You should learn to drop the mouse. Everyone say, drop the mouse. That could be taking a break from your computer, too. <laughs> so, okay. So there's a general way in which the Bhagavad Gita explains that everybody becomes attached to various objects in this world and then thinks that this is life. And then when those objects are taken away by force, then the living entity thinks this is death. And it's very painful. Death means giving up those things that I thought were mine. If you don't have a sense that all these things are mine, then where is there death? Because what we are is an eternal spiritual soul. We're taking a quick ride in a particular body. And therefore, the ancient wisdom texts, like the Sri Upanishad says, Isavasyamidam sarvam yatkincha jagatyam jagat tena tyaktena bunjita magradha kasisvadhanam. See reality, and that is that everything in this world is controlled and owned by someone else. And it's not me. I don't get to keep whatever I have. And therefore, tena tyaktena bunjita, only take for those things, take, only take those things that are set aside as your quota and which you need for self-realization. And don't become overly attached to them. They're on loan. And if you live like this, then kurvan eveha karmani jijivishikshitam sama evam tvainanyate tosnina karma lipitenare. You won't incur karma. You won't become entangled in the world. You learn to drop the mouse. So there are various suggestions throughout the Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam about mice that we can drop. I was going to say mouses, but that wouldn't work. So one of them is envy. The path of spiritual life is especially meant for people who don't have envy. They've dropped it. Drop it, let it go. 
There's a way in which Krishna describes in the Bhagavad Gita, Icha Dvesha Samutena Dvanva Mohena Bharata Sarva Bhutani Samoham Sargeyanti Parantapa. He says, oh, Arjuna, look, everyone's born into this world with a predisposition for envy because I think I am my body and therefore I'm at odds with others who have bodies because we're breathing the same air. And they're taking up my resources. If the neighbor moves his back fence two inches too close, there's a dispute. You have to call out the surveyor and find out whose three inches is it anyway. When after all, very soon, they'll belong to the earthworms. There's this attachment over my things, and therefore I'm in an attempt to keep those things and to acquire more. I become competitive with others. And I become jealous or envious when I see somebody has more. There's a way to drop this. In fact, there's really good advice throughout the Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam to talk us down from this ledge of envy, where we see other people with things and we think those should be my things. Why does he get to go? And envy becomes so pronounced that living beings, especially humans, think, why should other people live? Only I should. And this is one of the reasons that human beings set up systematic ways to kill animals. They're envious of them. They think they shouldn't exist, only I should. This is how pronounced the envy becomes in the heart. So envy, the highest principle of religion, according to the Bhagavatam, is to give up this envy of other living beings. So one of the ways in which we, we can understand reasonably why we should give up envy is because, as is mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam, and that means, in a very truncated translation, that everyone's already getting what they deserve, so don't worry so much. I'm getting what I deserve, and every single other living entity is getting exactly what he or she deserves. And if somebody transgresses and takes more from you, then it'll balance out later. Don't worry. Everything balances. And one needn't give up one's integrity and try to steal other people's property or to become envious of it because you are where you are because of you. And you're going to be in the future where you are because of you also. And therefore, you needn't become disturbed. Also, if one practices spiritual life with regularity, spiritual life, I mean, if one chants Hare Krishna, like we just did, there's a potency through which the sound vibration comes through the ears and into the, uh, the subconscious mind and purifies it. It's called Cheto Darpana Marjanam. And that purification process then allows us to see the world from a different perspective. And that perspective is that actually... I'm connected to all living beings. Whether the lowly earthworm or the ant, uh, one of the uh, devotees the other day was talking about how an ant was crawling on her uh, during her reading a book and she thought, this could have been like a musician in the last life. <laughs> because I might think when a bug comes like, but wait a minute, that was a famous musician from the last life. <laughs> he used to go to his concerts. Be careful. All living beings are actually uh, uh, spiritual parts and parcels of Krishna. If everyone walked in the world like that and thought like that, would it be a better place? I'm not convinced that you think so. Yeah. yeah. If that was the vision of of each person as they drove on the 101 freeway, would there be road rage anymore? No. There's numerous benefits to giving up envy, not the least of which envy is called burning envy. It burns us from the inside out. 
someone else has something, I see it, and I want it. So recommended more that we try to appreciate the assets of others. And when you appreciate what other people have, then it appreciates in your own life. Actually, we're able to take on the good qualities of others by appreciating them in others. So that's one mouse that we can work on dropping. Give up envy. There's no reason, there's no reason for it. In other words, it's unreasonable to hold on to envy because you have exactly what you deserve and others do too. And it's always going to be like that, and it always has been like that. So don't worry. We're also connected to all living entities. One more mouse to give up? Entitlement. There is a great devotee in the Hare Krishna movement. Her name was Jamuna. You hear her voice in every ISKCON temple in the world every morning. At the time of greeting of the deities comes... She sang on the album, a Radha Krishna Temple album, the Govindam song, that she became popular all over the world and catapulted the devotees into uh, the circles of people who love music. And that was one of the reasons the Krishna conscious movement spread at that time so rapidly. And uh, she was a very wise devotee, very experienced, venerable had joined very early on and been faithful throughout her whole life. A good example to follow, to see how if one simply dedicates one's life using whatever skill one has, she happened to have been not only a, a great cook, uh, I blew it, uh, a great singer, but a great cook. And she wrote a famous cookbook, multiple cookbooks, I think. And um, she also had a particular mouse that she recommended everybody give up drop it, is entitlement. Don't think I deserve some specific uh, thing. Whatever service is given to us, whatever kind of talent that we've been endowed with, don't think that's yours. It's on loan. And don't try to covet it. But try to give it away to others. Try to share it with others as much as possible. It's, they're not ours. And whatever position we, we get in this world, is by the grace of Krishna. And it can be taken away at any moment also. So don't feel entitled. Drop entitlement and you'll feel much better. Drop the mouse. Everyone say, drop the mouse. And then the third one to give up, as is recommended in all the teachings on bhakti, is what's called prajalpa. Prajalpa means talking for no reason, or for malintent. Gossip is a, an example of this, and for instance, talking behind somebody's back, not confronting the issue and saying, my dear sir, madame, I need to speak to you. Here's how I feel. Uh, I'm not ascribing any intention to you, but this is how you make me feel when you do this, slam the door on my toe, whatever it may be. I express myself clearly and I work it out rather than talking behind people's back or talking about useless subject matters. There's a whole industry, or there are many industries, through which people make up games and then they invest millions of dollars into uniforms. This is starting to sound familiar. And grown men run around, ram into each other, break each other's heads, women too. And it becomes a, natural, a national obsession or an international obsession. Uh, did he get over the line? I think he did. Did it hit the line? I think it didn't. And people can go on arguing about these things for weeks. These are really not important, ultimately, to the, ult to the final goal of life, which is to remember God when we leave these bodies. And when we're gasping for air, most people drown to death because the lungs fill up with water, because the organs fail. One way or another, the organs fail. The warranty runs out, and that's just it. And at that time, it's not like we're thinking back to it, hopefully, like, hey, the ball was on the line. <laughs> These types of topics you can review for yourself and see 
How many of them do I have in my life? And I guarantee you extra time in your life if you drop Prajalpa, let it go. So three mice, three blind mice that you can drop. The first one is envy. Second one, entitlement. And the third, Prajalpo. Put a tattoo on your arm on the way home. We can recommend a few good tattoo artists. You can get these mice written there. there uh, and then you can remember to, to drop them like the great sage dropped the mouse and you'll be, she's doing it. <laughs> okay. And now uh, to finish, we have five more minutes. We're going to have a, a little more chanting just before we stand up and have wild dancing. Hare Krishna. Oh no, that's horrible. Okay, just 30 seconds. One of the ways that you can chant Hare Krishna is to do what's called japa. And it goes like this. You, you can sit, like this morning we were in Sacramento, three of us sat together, and we just... Um, chanted together like this, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare. If you do that by yourself or with a, a few others, and you repeat it over and over again, you'll find that the transcendental vibration that will fortify you, it will give you a clarity of vision, it will purify the heart, and it will be very easy to drop the mouse. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.